So good to be in your presence today and worshiping the God of the universe, to Him who all praise and honor and glory is worthy. Appreciate the way we've entered into the worship so far today and the encouragement that it brings to us. And thinking as we were on the last song how wonderful it will be to join our voices in song in heaven. And uh, not even any sour notes, maybe, if we're praising the Lord in that regard. I'm talking about myself as I'm laboring under a bit of a cold. I'd like to speak today about Joseph. Joseph is mentioned in Hebrews 11 as one of the patriarchs of faith, around verse 22. And uh, Joseph, if I said Jacob, I meant to say Joseph. Joseph endured temptation. We all are tempted and tried in the sense of to do that which is wrong. And we invite you to turn to the book of Genesis, chapter 37. We'll read somewhat from 37, 39, and 40 today. Genesis 37. I'll be reading from the King James Version. When we think of temptation, I'm going to take a jump back to James, the first chapter, but please, uh, we won't be there long, and we'll be right into Genesis 37. We must realize we are all tempted. And if it's in the home, and we have a situation where people are all Christians, and the situation exists that someone's doing wrong, the devil doesn't care whether we're too soft or biting and visceral and mean toward anyone. He just wants a win any way he can get it. That's the way the devil works. He doesn't just have one thing in mind. He just wants us to fail in that regard. Thanks be to God, he's recognized how weak and frail we are and the Savior has been sent and the, the scheme of redemption and the plan is in effect and we can contact the blood that saves, that washes away sins by following the prescriptions of the great physician, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, whether in becoming a Christian or after we become a Christian in order to have sin remitted. James says in chapter 1, verse 12, Blessed is the man who endures temptation, for when he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life which the Lord has promised to those that love him. Let no one say when he's tempted, I'm tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when he's drawn away by his own desires and enticed. Then when desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is full grown, brings forth death. This is spiritual death, I believe. Well, let's look at a fine example of someone, Joseph, who was given some partiality in his home. It caused a bit of a stir with his brothers in the family. Because he got this coat of many colors. And so imagine in your family, if you have any siblings, growing up and one being favored. And maybe they get the nice things and everybody else doesn't quite measure up. That can cause a bit of a problem. And Joseph 
from all indication, didn't ask for the coat of many colors. Let's see what chapter 37 begins to teach us on this of Genesis. Chapter 37, verse 1. Now Jacob dwelt in the land where his father was a stranger, in the land of Canaan. This is the genealogy of Jacob. Joseph, being 17 years old, was feeding the flock with his brothers, and the lad was with the sons of Bilhah and the sons of Zilpha, his father's wives. And Joseph brought a bad report of them to his father. Now Israel loved Joseph more than all his children because he was the son of his old age, and he made him a tunic of many colors. But when his brothers saw that their father loved him more than all his brothers, they hated him and could not speak peaceably to him. Now Joseph dreamed a dream. This is going to cause more consternation. And he told it to his brothers, and they hated him even more. So he said to them, Please hear this dream which I had dreamed. There we were, binding sheaves in the field. Then behold, my sheaf arose and also stood upright, and indeed your sheaves stood all around and bowed down to my sheaf. And, sheaf. and his brothers said to him, Shall you indeed reign over us? Or shall you indeed have dominion over us? So they hated him even more for his dreams and for his words. Then he dreamed yet another dream and told it to his brothers and said, Look, I've dreamed another dream. I think they fell by this time. Oh boy, what's this guy coming up with next? And, and this time the sun, moon, and the eleven stars bowed down to me. So he told it to his father and his brothers, and his father rebuked him and said to him, What is this dream that you could dream? Shall your mother and I and your brothers indeed come to bow down to the earth before you? And his brothers envied him, but his father kept the matter in mind. Then his brothers went to feed their father's flock in Shechem. We know how that they were so angry at their fleshly brother that they were willing to, some of them were willing to, with intent, to slay him. And then I believe it was the oldest, Reuben, that said, now let's, let's not do that. Let's, let's sell him to these coming through. And so they sold him into slavery. His life was spared. God works in miraculous ways in the old part of the New Testament. And he works providentially. So he has a hand in these things that are going on. And even to the extent of our lives today, I think we need to be aware that we may not understand all there is with regard to this type of work by God above. When we think about Joseph being at home and we think about, well, it's an opportunity to be with people you love, how many times do we not act lovingly toward those that are in our immediate family? I was mentioned in the class earlier by Trey that it's about 340 days that Noah and his family and his sons and their wife, they were in the ark. How would you like to be in an ark for 340 days? Even in our homes, we leave those who are our immediate family and go to the store and we come back and all. They didn't have that luxury. They were cooped up in the ark 
for that time. But they were with the family, we may say. Well, that doesn't always mean that somebody's going to like that situation or there won't be situations arising where people won't get irritated. My caution here is there will be temptations in the home and the devil's at work and he doesn't care whether it's the wife saying something ugly to the husband or the husband saying something to the wife that's ugly. He just wants a win. That's all he wants is a win. In Joseph's family, as we mentioned, not to belabor it much longer, Joseph was treated more favorably. And it looked like there was partiality there. And therefore, Joseph didn't ask for it, but he suffered the brunt of it. But God is good, and God has a plan, and we know that he's going to be very helpful and even forgiving to those in his own family that sold him into slavery. Those who wanted to kill him, he loved them enough and was forgiving. Can we be that forgiving to those in our family and extend it out past your family? But those are the people that we're closest to is the people that share the same address that we might be sharing and occupying. Shouldn't we be treating them the very best? Those who have the same address. Why do we sometimes uh, spew forth things that are so ugly? We wish we could catch them. Some of you know a uh, sister by the name of uh, Carol Hartman. John Hartman's wife. She had to say, taste your words before you speak them. Taste your words, brothers, before you say it to your wife or to your children or to someone else that you're trying to have a good conversation with or even if correction is involved. Wives, before you say, yeah, the husband's supposed to be all this tough and manly and all this, we remember those things that you say. We have feelings too. Well, he can take it. I can just throw these words hurt. And words can be forgiven, but words spoken are hard to forget. We need to have the forgiveness of Joseph and this good example that he was willing to forgive his own brothers who were willing to kill him and sold him into slavery. Then we have the matter of being sold into slavery by his brother. His family turned on him at that point. Some people get sour on religion. It's possible to think, well, God's given up on me. How do you think Joseph felt when he's in the pit? And then when his own flesh and blood sell him into slavery and he's going off and he's looking back and there's his family and he's being left. He's being forsaken. But God did not forsake Joseph in this and God will not forsake us when it seems that all in the world in some occasions are against us. Joseph shows us how to handle bad circumstances and not give up. And this takes 
some intestinal fortitude, some spiritual strength, some willingness to have faith in God above that all things work together, Romans 8, 28, for good that them that love the Lord to them that are called according to His purpose. Do we believe that enough? Yes, bad things can happen to good people. Yes, we're not guaranteed that we're going to live a certain number of days and there won't be bad outcomes, whether with young or with mid-age or with the elderly. But we don't always know what God's plan is in every event that takes place on earth. And we need to try to handle with the Scripture and with trust in God. The psalmist says in the 37th Psalm, verse 1, Fret not thyself because of evildoers, neither be thou envious against the workers of iniquity. For they will soon be cut down like the grass and wither as the green herb. Trust in the Lord and do good. So shalt thou dwell in the land, and verily thou shalt be fed. Joseph put his trust in the Lord, God above, and that's where we should have our anchor. Joseph actually prospered when he got out on the other end of being sold into slavery. Joseph actually prospered after he got put in prison because of the false accusations of Potiphar's wife. When he was unwilling after repeated advances. Sometimes we just get to the verse and we see where she got a hold of his garment and he just went on and he kept going. Now let's look, if you will, I believe it's in chapter 39. Let's start in verse 1. Now Joseph had been taken down to Egypt and Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, captain of the guard, an Egyptian, brought him from the Ishmaelites who had taken him down there. The Lord was with Joseph and he was a successful man. And he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. And his master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord made all he did to prosper in his hand. So Joseph found favor in his sight and served him. And he made him overseer of his house. And all that he had, he put in his hand. Verse 6 says, And Joseph was handsome in form and appearance. It came to pass after these things that his master's wife cast longing eyes on Joseph and she said, Lie with me. But he refused and said to his master's wife, Look, my master does not know what is with me in the house, and he's committed all that he has to my hand. There's no one greater in this house than I, nor has he kept back anything from me but you, because you're his wife. How then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? And so it was as she spoke to Joseph day by day. Verse 10 that he did not heed her to lie with her or to be with her. He was not allowed. A beautiful woman who kept leaning on him for that which is wrong and he's to be commended for that. But it happened about this time, verse 11, when Joseph went into the house to do his work and none of the men of the house were inside that she caught him by the garment saying, lie with me. But he left his garment in her hand and fled and ran outside. So now he's going to have the appearance of being guilty. And he did nothing wrong with his brothers when he was given this coat of many colors by his father and he was shown partiality and they sold him into slavery and then he prospers. 
And he didn't do anything here. In fact, he was righteous <laughs> to a stellar degree. He continues to hold to that faith and he prospers and he's out of that situation over time. And he's worked right back up and then his family comes and he's in the proper place at the proper time, able to help his family, see Benjamin, see his father, and get the whole family taken care of with food in the family. He could have turned sour many times at these various instances in his life. But I believe that it was his faith and trust in God that helped him handle these. And this is a mental outlook that I think is directly connected to our faith and our love. Let us try to grow our faith in our love so that we, like Joseph, can be aware that God is with us even when the world treats us incorrectly for our beliefs, for our lifestyle as Christians, and for what we do on days like today to come into a place and open God's book and give deference to what the Bible says and hear what God says about male and female. He created them. And, and therefore, we're going to believe that. It's not something that after the baby's born at different portions of their life, uh, that individual can just choose to change or to have five or six different uh, modes, if you will, and get under the umbrella of some rainbow, which is a misuse of our covenant knowledge of what the rainbow is with the flood and Noah, and that God will never, in His covenant, says He'll never destroy the earth by water again. To take that emblem and to put that over something that is ungodly is a shame. And we should be aware of that. We love people. We're to love our enemies. But we are to hate sin. And we're to learn to hate every false way. Joseph did not grieve over the wrongs that he was treated throughout his life, as best we can tell from the biblical record. Joseph had to realize that the good way is not always the easy way because he lived a hard road. Joseph was able to always look forward, not dwelling in the past, and this is one of my biggest, biggest, I open the closet of the past and look at things that are ugly, that are sins of the past that involve family and against the church and against. But God has forgiven. There's no doubt that I'm forgiven. But we have to learn to overcome. And while it may not be that we can forget it totally, we should take the lessons learned from it and go forward and not dwell on it and then let us stop our activity toward positivity in Christianity. That is, we need to be able, like Joseph, to keep looking forward and moving forward as opposed to sitting there like a frozen piece of 
pick whatever you want to pick that's frozen and not being active or as active as we could be. Joseph practiced this wonderful forgiveness throughout his life. Truly didn't hold it against his brothers. Potiphar, the butler who says, yeah, I'll remember you when I get out of jail before you and I'm, I'm going to tell, help you out. Well, there was a delay before everything got taken care of, but God working His plan on His time was able to help and make things work out just like they were supposed to. In Genesis 45 and verse 5, Genesis 45 verse 5, he, Joseph, was able to see God directly involved with his life. The Bible says, Now therefore be not grieved nor angry with yourselves that you sold me hither. Speaking to his brothers. For God did send me before you to preserve life. Genesis 45, verse 7. And God sent me before you to preserve you a posterity in the earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. Chapter 45, verse 8. So now it was not you that sent me hither, but God. And He hath made me a father to Pharaoh and lord of all his house and a ruler throughout all the land of Egypt. The familiar phrase... He meant it for good. God can work things out. We need to be able to see the good that can be accomplished and keep moving forward and help each other where we can to be encouraged, to learn somewhat of our idiosyncrasies and, and things so that we can, as a family in Christ, be able to help one another. I hope this has been of some benefit, taking that which you already knew, and reminding you, as Romans 15, 4 says, the things that are written aforetime are written for our learning. We can be encouraged unto our salvation, not because we're so great, but because we can put our faith in God and His Word, do what we can to live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world, to deny ungodliness and worldly lust, as Titus 2, 10 and 11 state that we have hope of eternal life and be with the Lamb forever and ever. If you're subject to the gospel call or we can help you in some way, have spiritual need, we'll do what we can. We need to be like Joseph and we're going to help people <laughs> to the degree that we can. And if we're not able to, we'll try to find a solution and not just throw up our hands and quit. I know the people in this audience uh, too well to know that we would just automatically throw up our hands in, in despair. If you're subject to the gospel call in any way, we bid you come. While together we stand, sing the song <coughs> and select.